0: Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the i I'm Al and this week I am an agent of Comet, currently only member entertaining tonight. Well, I mean, I guess entertaining is subjective. But yes, once again I am solo because both Murray and Paul are unavailable this week and for some stupid reason I've agreed to do a solo episode. And yes, that means we are back for another episode of the Captain Comet Chronicles, as we are looking through the Silver Age appearances of Captain Comet. Last time, which was episode 113, we covered his first appearance in Strange Adventures number 9, and it kind of left off with a cliffhanger. These giant weird tops showing up around the country impervious to everything, including atomic bombs, which hopefully was not the first thing they tried to use on it. But last time the question was, since it kind of left off in a cliffhanger, were they going to continue it or just go with a brand new adventure? Well, we're going to cover Strange Adventures number 10 and find out that the answer is yes. They are continuing. So that's pretty cool for like, what, 1950? Doing a two, It's actually a two-parter. So let's get into it. Strange Adventures number 10. And on the cover, we see Comet and some random red-headed woman who kind of looks like she's in a... Buck Rogers-esque outfit, Being menaced by a giant alien creature that is crashing out of what looks like a cryogenic tube. And it says, Thrill the Captain Comet's heroic battle to save Earth from the menace of the Air Bandits from Space. And the cover is by Carmine Infantino and Bernard Sachs. And the story is called Captain Comet in The Air Bandits from Space. The script is by John Broome, although he is credited as Edgar Ray Merritt. Pencils, Carmine Infantino... Inks Bernard Sachs, the colors and letterer are unknown. People on Earth were dying from lack of air. Mysterious machines had landed, invulnerable to attack. They were drawing away the world's precious atmosphere. But in the fearful crisis, Earth found its champion, the extraordinary and heroic Captain Comet, who alone of all humans possessed unique futuristic abilities that enabled the man of destiny to seek out and defy an incredible enemy that Nunka was banned. The Air Bandits from Space. And we have what was traditional back in the Silver Age, was kind of a splash page from the first page of the story, just kind of give you an idea what was going to happen. And we see Comet flying through space in a red spaceship, passing by another larger green spaceship. And he's saying, That mysterious giant spaceship far outguns my little cometeer. But by quick maneuvering, I may be able to defeat it. I must, or Earth is lost. From a radio station in Las Negras, on the edge of the western desert, a haggard reporter speaks to the nation. Here's a summary of the situation at the moment, folks. The authorities believe the huge top has come here from another world. The first ones who went near it were struck down by mysterious, invisible radiation. And we see what looks like in the desert, a giant, and when I say giant, I mean like several stories high, top spinning around while a bunch of people, looks like they're wearing cowboy hats too, (laughs) are running away from it. Run, something deadly is coming from it. Help An A bomb was dropped on the strange and ominous object with no effect at all. And we see the bomb well giant mushroom cloud clouds, actually. So I wonder if that means they dropped several bombs on it and did nothing. I am so glad that they did lots of A bomb blowing up in the outside. No wonder the DC universe is filled with you know mutants and people's superpowers. Anyway, you see a plane flying away. We didn't even scratch it contact headquarters. Tell them that top is indestructible. Then, word flashed in that more of the fantastic machines were peering out of the sky, all over the world. And we see a couple scientists looking through, well, scientific equipment of some kind. Six more of the tops, two in Europe. Take a look at this meteorological report that just came in. Our atmosphere is thinning out. The dreadful intent of the metal invaders became terribly clear. And the scientists are looking. The tops are drawing in our atmosphere, destroying it somehow. At this rate, there won't be air enough on Earth to support life more than 24 hours. There's only one ray of hope in the general despair here. A striking figure of a man, calling himself Captain Comet, passed through Las Negas a few minutes ago, heading for the top. No one had ever heard of him, but there was something about the man that raised the courage of all who saw him. How he can succeed where others have failed is not clear. And people listening to the radio saying, Captain Comet, who is he? And in the Midwest City, Professor Emery Zarko has also heard the alarming broadcast. And he's thinking, only Adam Blake and I know who Captain Comet really is. A strange phenomenon. A man born out of his time. 100,000 years too soon. And he's thinking back. In one of the tests I gave Adam Blake, he drank a deadly poison. One drop of that poison is enough to kill an ordinary man. You drank three ounces. And Adam's saying, it must be my futuristic body is immune to this acid. Adam Blake and Captain Comet, his alter ego, are one person. Yet I cannot reveal this secret to the world. For evil men might seek to use Adam's amazing powers for their own gain. But I know one thing. If Captain Comet cannot vanquish the dreadful tops, no one can. And Earth is indeed lost. And at that moment, the flashing figure of the Man of Destiny nears his objective, as Comet's running towards the top, thinking, I can feel the top's lethal radiation now. As a slight tingling, I must be immune to its effects, just like I was to the Professor's poison. The next second, futuristic muscles rip open hard metal plates with ease. No sign of an entrance into this object, but I can make my own entrance. He crawls inside and sees no one here, just machinery. It must be operated by remote radio control, but from where? Still unaware of all his abnormal powers, the man of destiny prepares an experiment. Sokovin has left the top and is now outside, and Saint looking through the dirt and saying to himself, "Ordinary eyes can only see the visible light spectrum." But maybe futuristic eyes like mine can detect the invisible spectrum, which includes radio waves. And we have an editor's note. The colors from violet to red make up the visible spectrum. In the invisible range are x-rays and radio waves. And so, a random piece of glass is rapidly smoked over a fire. Humans have darkened glass this way for ages to watch eclipses of the sun. But I'll make this glass completely black to shut out all visible light. Then, super-sensitive eyes scan the skies. Because he basically is looking through the glass. Yes, I can see them plainly, radio-magnetic waves coming from near the moon. But no one would be hiding up there. Our telescopes would detect any unusual activity. Unless... Struck by a sudden thought, Captain Comet explodes into instant action. There isn't time enough to destroy all the tops that have landed on Earth, even with my incredible powers. But if I can attack the danger at its source... And now back in Professor Zarko's secluded laboratory, soon after, and Comet is busy building that spaceship that we saw on the first page. And Zarko's watching, saying, sorry, and Zacharo's watching, saying, even though I know Adam is a mutant, watching him work amazes me. Of course his muscles can never tire, that's one explanation. And there's another editor's note, a mutant is a change, a sudden jump in the slow evolution of a species. Within a few hours. Comet's there, sitting there in his ship talking to the professor. There it is, the first spaceship ever built on Earth. My special driving coil should obtain a thrust of 200,000 horsepower. Brilliant! Moments later, a dazzling flash of light startles the residents of the Midwestern city. As comet flies out in his ship, and the professor's thinking, Captain Comet will save us. I know he will. And the people, you see some, some of the people from the city, you're seeing the ship leaving? What's that? It looks like a brilliant new comet. But it seems to arise from the Earth. In minutes, the powerful new cometeer gains the vicinity of the Moon. And Comet saying to himself, there's only one place the top operators could be concealed up here, and that's on the other side of the Moon, the face which we on Earth never see. And we have another editor's note. The Moon always keeps the same face towards the Earth. As a result, its other side is never seen. As the lunar orb is rounded by Earth's first space-going craft, He sees that green ship from the first page. An alien spaceship, bigger than our greatest ocean liners, hidden back here. Like an arrow aimed at a giant target, the cometeer darts in at the huge vessel. That opening looks like an escape hatch for launches and small craft. I'll steer right into it. Surprisingly, a moment later, no air, a vacuum in here. I'll slip on my oxygen bubble. Great Saturn, what is that? As the Man of Destiny surveys the enormous halls he has landed in, a fantastic spectacle meets his gaze. Glass cases, hundreds of them, and each one containing a human-like creature in a trance-like state. Still, there must be someone controlling this ship. Investigating the strange craft, Captain Comet locates the control room. Still no living thing, but yet somehow the deadly tops are controlled from this room by the radio waves I saw. Then, as an unseen mechanism is tripped, Another of the creatures, and this one is waking up. And we see what looks like a large humanoid, blue-skinned creature. Akadok, who is there? Two superminds make instant telepathic contact. And the alien's thinking, Captain Comet of Earth. And Comet is thinking, Harun, leader of the Oster race. This creature has a brain almost equal and powered to mine. Swift as thought. Captain Comic Gates Harun's past history: We lived on Aster, an airless world. Air kills us. We are not built as you are. We led happy, peaceful lives. But one day, a passing star caused gigantic landquakes, and we see their alien, their alien world is being ravaged, and buildings are falling over, and there's a volcano going off. Tis the end of the world. Harun, our great scientist leader, will save us. He will think of us way. And I now the aliens in the. The uh, tubes we saw were all wearing what looks like, kind of, you know, they're all wearing what looks like, you know, cloth, big cloth diapers. Now, I kind of, and boots, I kind of thought that's just what they were wearing because they were being put in some kind of suspended animation, but that's apparently all they wear on this planet. So, all right. I guess not much for fashion. Back to Haroon's story. We had to flee, Aster. I supervised the construction of this great space vessel, and when it was ready... We may have to voyage for centuries before we find another suitable airless world. All of us will be placed in glass vacuum cases on this ship, in a state of suspended animation. My orders were carried out. Robot controls took care of everything else for the last thousand years. They even detected your planet and sent out what you call the tops to draw away your atmosphere and prepare the way for us to live there. But you didn't reckon with meeting active resistance. But to the Earthman's surprise as he hurls himself forward, Physical combat? Bah, that is not the way for two mental giants like us to set all a quarrel. And Kama asks, well, what other means do you suggest? The Astor Chieftain proposes a unique contest to decide supremacy, a game called Ichek. In this Icek vase, there are 100,000 black pellets and two white ones. The winner is he who, without using vision, can select a white pellet in the least number of tries. And Kama tells him, you go first. Keeping his eyes averted, Haroon plunges his hand into the jar. Remember, whoever wins, the other must become his slave. Agreed, Captain Comet? Agreed, Haroon. The man from Aster draws one black pellet, two, three, and then... The white in my fourth try. Beat that if you can, Captain Comet. I know how you manage that stunt, Haroon. The white pellets are slightly heavier than the black. But that is a crude method compared to the way I'm going to play this game. And Kama puts his hand in, and moments later, astonishingly, your, your first try. Impossible. Simple. My futuristic fingertips are so sensitive that with them I can detect differences in color. Now you must obey me. Suddenly, the defeated contestant races out of the control room. Never. You tricked me. You must die. Going back on his word, I'll handle him as soon as I cut the radio control to the tops on Earth. Dashing to an instrument panel, Haroon twirls a knob and... I've stopped the tops, but what's he doing? Rise up, my people. We must slay this dangerous foe. In a moment, they will awaken. You cannot combat all of us. And Kama tells him, I don't have to, Harun. Look closer at your people. The incredible quick senses of the man of destiny have revealed the truth to him, even before examination confirms it. And Harun's looking at his people and realizes, dead, all of them, and perfectly preserved in the cases I built for them. I should judge they've been dead for the last hundred years, Harun. Only you have survived your deal of suspended animation. Grief-stricken by the tragic discovery, Harun moves suddenly. My people dead! I failed in my mission! By Aster's law, I must destroy myself! Plunging out of the space lock, he'll be killed! In a flash, Captain Comet leaps into his craft and catapults after the last man of Aster. Even though Harun tried to kill me and destroy the people of Earth, I still must try to save his life as the Man of Destiny pulls his ex-foe into the Cometeer. He's dead too, the awful cold of space. No unprotected living thing can withstand it for more than a few seconds. And we got one more editor's note. It is estimated that the cold of space is absolute zero, minus 273 degrees centigrade, after the astro Leader is placed back in his great ship. Now there isn't anyone alive in that vessel. What am I going to do with it anyway? Incredibly, at that moment, the huge ship turns and heads sunward with gathering speed. The amazing robot mechanisms sent a thousand years ago have taken control again. Since the attempt to seize Earth has failed, the automatic machinery in charge of the ship must try some other place. As the mammoth stellar ship hurtles away into the void, what irony! A ship full of dead creatures searching through the universe for an ideal world for them to live on. And that night, in Professor Zacharo's laboratory... They're listening to the radio, and we hear Earth saved by Captain Comet. The world is acclaiming you, Adam. Not me, Professor. Captain Comet. Remember our pact. No one must ever suspect my secret identity. The end. Well, that was a nice little story. Um, A little different from what I expected. I mean, I expected them just to fight the evil aliens, but they weren't really that... Well, they were sort of evil, but not that evil. And I like the fact that it was more of a trial by a thinking instead of... You know, physical fighting. Anyway, hopefully you don't hate these Captain Comet episodes. Because, well, got to do something when no one else is available to record. But if you have any thoughts, whether you like them, don't like them, well, if you don't like them, you can stop listening now and turn it off. But if you like them, well, you can always send an email, Podcasters at gmail.com. And, of course, you can always get me on Twitter, at Pod. And of course, you can always also make comments or follow the uh, actual Legion of Podcasters Twitter feed at LOSP Podcast. All right, that's all for now. Hopefully, next week everyone will be back and we'll have another episode of Rebels. And until then, C O M E T A U K A X K U T T apostrophe A N X A N I W A.